Well, what if I don't want it? Hi, I'm America. <laughs> Congratulations, you know your own name. And that's James. That is me. And this is City Wave Cinema, Beetlejuice Part 1. Oh. We should really start rehearsing these before. Should we? <laughs> I feel like it's more fun this way. Right. I think it's more fun this way, and I'm going to keep doing it this way until proven otherwise. You give me anxiety. <laughs> I help reduce your anxiety. Um, this but is not right now. Part of City Waves Entertainment's channel. We are live over on twitch.tv slash citywavesgaming. Um to film these bi-weekly uh, well Listen, we try to be bi-weekly we gotta plug all of our shit every time that we do anything so you're just gonna get this all the time hey it's how you get noticed now we watched beetlejuice we watched beetlejuice because the lovely people on, on twitch.tv twitch.tv voted two weeks ago to three weeks ago to have us watch beetlejuice and guess what all of you can suck my dick. <laughs> James is not all pleased. Of Fuck all of you. Damn it. What the hell was that? I have never in my whole life! <laughs> my whole life! Seen a movie that made less sense and was Openly pedophilic. <laughs> Ever! Ever! The 80s were a different time, man. The 80s were bad. They should feel bad. <laughs> Michael Keaton's not even in the movie for more than 15 minutes. But he's great. It's fucking... The, you know what? We haven't recorded a lot of episodes of this show, okay? We haven't recorded a lot of episodes of this show. This might be the worst movie I've ever watched. Like, it's a top five worst movie. I don't. It's fucking terrible. It's so good. No! No! I will say that during the watching of it, I was laughing multiple times, and I'd look over at James, and he's just like, what the fuck drugs were you doing in the 80s? You weren't even a thought. No, but I've seen the movie more than once. What the shit was that? Green Gorilla says that you're welcome for here. It, it sucked my asshole. What the fuck did you put me through? All right. I'm not taking... Uh, nah, it doesn't fucking matter. It's the one we watched. You're so angry. Bad movie! Did you like anything about it, or should we just start going through our notes? Let's just go through the notes. I'm gonna start, because I checked the first of your notes, and my first note comes before that. Okay. Um, Proceed. My first note is, oh wow, look, a bunch of companies that don't exist anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, Geffen? <laughs> Warner Brothers ate Geffen and deleted them from existence The credits started rolling, and I was like, look, so many things that aren't real. <laughs> Oh, what? Okay, 1988 was 30 years ago? Was it really cool 30 years ago to be into 17-year-olds? Like, was that the oh thing? Oh my gosh, we're still on this. Okay. Listen, that's going to be a running theme for the rest of the episode. And the next one. Uh, James, you're up. Listen, my first note says, first off, Alec Baldwin isn't it, so that's problematic. And it's only relevant... 
to say that right now because in the last movie that Alec Baldwin was in, he killed the director of photography in real life, for real. Didn't he also injure the director? And injured the director on a rehearsal shot. They weren't even filming the damn shot. And because of the way that crews are not getting paid, there's a whole strike and shit for it if you look into it. Hollywood's just having a massive upheaval because they don't pay crews the way they're supposed to and they work them to death. Um, but the, instead of having union people on set, they had a bunch of just fucking people from New Mexico. And so a live round got into a prop gun or into a real gun they were using as a prop. And he fucking killed the director of photography and wounded the director. And it's very unclear whether or not, uh, they, uh, continue to make that movie. But, anyways, Alec Baldwin's in it, so it's problematic. Um, I said this starts off like every other Tim Burton movie with, like... A Danny Elfman score? <laughs> yes, that's my second, or my next note. But no, um, just, like, I feel like every Tim Burton movie starts off with, like, these really random montages <laughs> of things. Like, in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, you have the montage of the Chocolate Factory... And the distribution of the chocolate bars. And then in Sweeney Todd, you have the barber chair with the blood. And in this one, you have the model town. I shot. mean, I mean, it just goes to show that Tim Burton has a hard-on for montages. It's just how he operates. I think it does, like, a good job running the credits through and, like, setting up the tone of the movie. Um, Danny Elfman and Tim Burton are secret lovers in the nighttime. I wrote, of course, Danny Elfman did the score. <laughs> I mean, who else is going to score Tim Burton's movies? No one wants to work with that weird little man. Um, I My next note was, does Tim Burton run a secret cult? Because they're all the same people in his movies. It's tr I mean, yeah. I, you'll actually see that a lot. It's not, I mean, like, Tim Burton always has the strangest people work with him on his movies. So it's, like, more obvious that he has the same people. But directors will straight up just drag actors along with them that they like or they work well with. And there's a lot of doubling with uh, actors who like working with other actors, actors who like working with producers and stuff. If you just mismatch, you match names through a lot of IMDb credits, uh, you'll see that that doubling happens a lot in Hollywood. I guess just for me, it's always more obvious for Tim Burton movies. Maybe because they are just, like, really distinct people. Like, it's always Helena Bottom Carter. It's always... Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. It's Danny always Elfman. Danny Elfman. It's always Christopher Lee. <laughs> it's always... Like, it's the same people. But, like, uh, yeah. Um, I wrote, Saving the Big Spider by giving a yeet out the window is a big question mark for me. Before that, I wrote, Tim Burton's name appears so many times in the credits. <laughs> like, it appeared so many times. And then I said, I hate spiders. This is how you get a poisonous spider beat. And then I, a spider bite. And then I said, yeah, eat spider dead. All about the spider. I mean, if you're going to go to the trouble to save the spider, don't just, throw it. <laughs> don't throw window. it out. The, yeah, why? Didn't why? set it down on the ledge. Didn't no. gently put it on the wall. No, just no. like it's a bird. I've got a question. Oh, Story-wise. Who gives their significant other a happy vacation present? What the hell was that? Maybe we should start doing that. I, you already get mad about spending money. I bought you 
I bought you pastries today. You bought you pastries. I just found out when you were like, these pastries were everything I'd hoped they'd be, and they were only $7. You you tried to sell it off like you bought them for me. No, 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 no. I you did bought buy them for you. I bought them for you because I know you like those. I know you like those. They were good. Yes, I know. And I appreciate them. Anyways, I had never seen that before, and I thought that was awesome. Also, cock-blocking phone call is cock-blocking. I put phone calls or cock-blocks. <laughs> also, also, still... All right, let me set the scene for you, shall I? Uh, I'm gonna... I've blocked out a lot of this movie already. Um, but uh, we have Alec Baldwin and a lady whose name I don't remember. Uh, what? I just wanted to talk about my realization about Alec Baldwin that I figured out tonight. Oh, that you didn't know that that was Alec Baldwin? I, I got to the end of the movie and I was like, James, Alec Baldwin's in this. Where is he? And he's like, it, Adam. Adam is Alec Baldwin. And I was like, what the, the fuck the, happened? The one guy. Him? He's the guy. What happened to him, though? He doesn't look like that anymore. Yeah, well, Beetlejuice doesn't look like Michael Keaton either, so. Like. Well, I, I, we call that lots and lots of drugs. I just, so many bad things had to happen to make him look like he is now from the original. Like, I'm confused. Lots of drugs. Anyways, the we're up. We're up, It's 6.45 in the morning. Yeah. Who the, why the fuck are you up at 6.45 a.m. on a vacation? On your vacation? Go the fuck to sleep. Even if it's a staycation. Why? Especially if it's a staycation. Why? 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 6.45? In the morning. Not even the people I know who are morning people are up at 6.45 on a staycation. I was so upset by that. She was like, it's 6.45 in the morning. Doesn't she have anything better to do? And I was like, don't you? <laughs> well, yeah, you do. In bed. Asleep. In bed. Asleep. You're, right now. You're putting up wallpaper at 6.45 in the fucking morning. <laughs> Bewildering. Bewildering. Entirely. Um, <laughs> asleep. Not to mention, Jane, the realtor, is also up at 6.45 in the morning, and she shows up at their house at 6.45 in the morning to do what? What does she do? She shows up and goes, I'm going to sell your house. We got to send pictures to the people. They want to buy your house. And then she gets kicked out. She also, I wrote, Jane is a dick to people with fertility issues. Oh my god, yes. Because she sits there and goes, you know, this home should really be for someone who has a family. And she's like... Hey, you oh, know I what? didn't mean anything by it, honey. It's like, hey, you know what? Fuck you for owning this house. How about that? How about I'm a realtor. Fuck you for owning this house. Why don't you have a baby, you fucking assholes? Make the house worth it. She My note was like, hey, Jane, how about you get the fuck out of here? How about you get the fuck out of here? And then she shows that she pops her face up for the jump scare outside of the garage. Like, why is she pressed up against the garage glass? She doesn't know Alec Baldwin's in the garage. Why? Why? That's so weird. Jane's weird. I don't like it. Jane's fucking creepy. Get her the hell out of this place, man. I don't like it. I don't want her anywhere near here. Um, then I wrote, after my Jane comment, I said, foreboding shed, re foreboding red shed is foreboding. <laughs> what? <laughs> the red, the red, like, little bridge cover is so Oh, well, I'm not there yet. Oh. You just, you just hang the fuck on. Oh, there's more things James thought of between there and the red shed. Alec Baldwin puts a tape in his speaker and plays what song? It's not, it's not, uh, it's not the Banana Boat song in the garage. Although that does play like 19 times in the movie. Isn't it the song they play at the end? 
I don't know, but he plays a song on his little tape speaker thing. It clearly did not stand out to me as uh, well as it did to you. He puts it in, he turns it on, you hear the music, and then it's a cut to the kitchen where the music is still loud. And as a... Having made movies before, that bugged the shit out of me because I know now, based on the shots, where the garage is in relation to where the kitchen is. And even if the door's open, there's no way around those angles that the speaker is that well heard in the kitchen and then you can't hear each other. It's fucking dumb. Shake Sonora. That's called the Banana Boat song. No. The name of the Sonora. Na- That's different. The Banana Boat song's. Oh! Oh! Daylight come and we wanna go home. Shake, senores. Shake, 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 senora. Work your body right. It might have been that one then. Da, 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 da. Work it all the time. Boop, boop, boop. Alright, um, now that we've been officially, like, copyright everywhere. Um. Or was it just jumping, is it jumping the line by Harry Jumping the line. Work your body all right. Okay. I believe you. Yeah, that's... Every, everything's just done by Harry Belafonte. Danny Elfman leaned hard into Harry Belafonte here. Um, Didn't they also say earlier in the movie, too, just going back to your comment about the garage, that they couldn't get to the garage because they couldn't leave the house? She, Barbara specifically said that line because she wanted a vacuum because everything was so dirty. And she's like, I, I would go get the vacuum, but I can't get to the garage because we can't leave the house. So that makes him... But they also go... Listen, the movie doesn't make any fucking sense for the whole time. But also, they go into the garage and then out another door to appear in the weird hell desert where the sandworm is. And then when they when they find each other and escape after they start turning yellow, for fucking reasons, uh, they go back through the door and they're in the garage and then they go into the house. It, they, they meet. It sit. It's all fucking stupid. The whole fucking script is fucking stupid. It's just terrible. You good, dude? I gotta settle down. Yeah, you're really upset. I, I gotta settle down. This is... It's just... I expect... Better out of Tim Burton. That's having a Having seen... Jack Skellington and all his crew do their magic... It, I just expect... Better. There is, this is one of, like, one of the earlier Tim Burton movies. Also, you got Michael Keaton to do Michael Keaton stuff in it, and you didn't even have him do stuff in it. Dumb. Anyways, yes. Foreboding shed is foreboding. Foreboding red bridge cover, since it's, it's not a shed. Yeah, it's like a bridge cover thing. It's very foreboding. It's like, a very, it's a very it's, northern United States thing to do. It's also very bright red compared to the rest of the town, which just, it, it's foreboding. It's a red flag. Ha <laughs> ah. Uh, I wrote that he fully ignored the old man barber outside of his shop. Uh, I... Which is hysterical. I wrote small towns suck. I wrote hashtag rude, hashtag too horny. Yeah, I wrote small towns suck. And then, uh, and then they die. And then they die. And then they die. Now, props for killing your protagonist so early in the movie. And I have to make a point here, because I, I meant to make this point in the very beginning of the episode, and I didn't make this point. Because you're so angry. I think this concept is genius. The concept of a reverse poltergeist where you have friendly ghosts and dickhead alive people is fucking incredible. It's a great idea. This was executed by three hookers and a boat of cocaine. Like, it, it's just 
so bad, but the concept was so good. And it's upsetting because I feel like you could do the movie now, be way less problematic and be funnier and be cohesive if, like, maybe you did less drugs when you made the movie. Maybe. Or maybe if you didn't have that psychopath who wrote it, write it. What's your next note about? Uh, well, I guess the protagonist died on vacation. Oh, and Alec Baldwin wasn't faking it when he couldn't read. Uh, yeah, I made a joke. About I, uh, I said the deceased disease joke hits so good. I laughed openly at that one. He's, uh, he's reading the book and it's, uh... He's, he's attempting to use his eyes. It's the, uh, manual for the recently deceased. A guide, yeah. Yeah, a guide, a guide for, for the, the recently, recently deceased. deceased. That's it. And he reads it and he's like, a guide for the recently diseased. And I'm like... They have a callback joke throughout the movie, too, about it reading, like, radio instructions, which does not age well. It doesn't. I know, I know, I know back in the 80s you needed instructions to make your stereos work. We don't even have those anymore. It it does, there's a lot of jokes in here that I wrote (laughs) that didn't age well. They just don't age. Which is fine. Uh, It's fine, but but you have to expect that people are going to come back and go, hey, your movie is dog shit. Um... And then I wrote, dead people always think people can hear, can see and hear them until proven otherwise. Like, it's true. If I died, I've seen enough horror movies and stuff mm. to just go, I'm invisible. <laughs> like, I don't know why it's everyone's immediate reaction to go, why can't you see me? Like. <laughs> I, I wrote, everything is dusty. Well, they, weren't they dead? Because it was like a sin that everything was dusty really? to me. It was like three months that they were gone, wasn't it? Ten days. Ten days, and then they were in the waiting room for three months. Yes. Okay. Um, while, while they were trying to figure out the, the book, Barbara calls the book stupid, and I wrote, the book isn't stupid, you're stupid. And this was the start of a trend for me where I hate all of the people in the movie. What? James hates characters in a movie, what? I, I have expressed a disdain for Hermione granger in harry potter and i would watch every harry potter movie for the rest of time to not have protagonists that were that unlikable and to not have other tertiary characters that were that unlikable in a movie it simply was awful i wrote jane as a dick that's true she showed up to the house like right after they died and was like (laughs) and then like placed a for sale sign like right in front of she Jane might be the devil. It's not clear. Jane is just Beetlejuice in disguise. Um, I started writing shit like the CinemaSins guys do, and as soon as we saw Catherine O'Hara on screen, I wrote, Kevin isn't missing in this movie. I wrote, shut up, Karen. Because <laughs> literally, the minute she popped on screen, I was like, oh, look, it's like the OG Karen. Like, she's got the, the haircut. The haircut. She's, like, yelling Micromanaging people like, she has no business micromanaging. Fucking incredible. I, I wrote a lot of notes about her being Karen that we'll get to <laughs> later. Um, but, yeah. I, I Shut wrote, up, poor, Karen. I wrote poor Charles is just hanging out. Because he's, like, he's finally at the place where he... Now, what they don't explain, except for, like, little tidbits here and there, is that Charles... Basically married who? Breakdown. What's her fucking name? Uh, Cordelia. Doesn't matter. Cordelia. Doesn't fucking matter. Cordelia. She's not real. She's an asshole. Charles and his daughter, Lydia, 
got in with Cordelia. That bitch. And Charles has a nervous breakdown in New York City where he is a businessman of sorts. He don't really say what he does. His, his boss was like, you were a demon in sales. Of what? I think To who? I think property. It must have been, because he spends the rest of the movie talking about property. And he he tried to get out of New York City to be in the the boonies so that he could, like, fucking just shoosh out all the bad energy from New York. And I can't imagine there being good energy in New York. So, makes sense to me, right? Except for they don't tell you any of that. They, like, sprinkle in tidbits for you to figure it out. Um... But yeah, Charles, only only character I really liked. Because he was just there. He just wanted trying to, go to chill in the country. Trying to just do stuff. Except for then they turn him into the bad guy when he's like, oh, I can monetize ghosts. You had a guy who was doing good for you and you fucked him up. Why? Um, it's... I'm, the more I talk about it, the more upset I get. I wrote, Barbara's a fucking badass. Because she gets really upset at the people in her house, and then they go into uh, the sand snake world. She just fucking punches that bitch in the face. I wrote that the Tim Burton snake puppet is very Tim Burton. Like, just poop, and is like... She punched the sandworm. Oh, I did write Barbara's a fucking badass more than once, because she literally just do it and walks off. Barbara's like... Barbara is like queen of the idiots, but at least she's brave. That's the only redeeming quality she has. I wrote, I hate everyone but Charles. I wrote Lydia is a mood. I also didn't like Lydia at first. I love Lydia. Lydia is a mood. Lydia's she my grew mood. On me. She grew on me. Lydia's my mood a lot. Also, the smash cut to the house being moved into and there's just cows. Like, there's just a bunch of fucking cows outside and I had not seen cows prior and you don't see cows in any of the time that the that the main characters are alive either. Like, threw me the fuck off. Cows move. What? They can walk. No. They don't have to stay right there. What? And they are on the model. No. Don't care. Um, I said the movie is a tease to everyone who knows the Beetlejuice rule. Because they literally kept, like, inching closer to it and not saying it. And then inching closer to it and not saying it. And I just was like... See, that is that is a moment of, like, scriptwriting brilliance that I wish we had way more of because there's that moment of brilliance and then the rest of it is just full stupid shit. And then sometimes there's another moment of scriptwriting brilliance, but playing at the Beatles' rule multiple times is just great. That's smart. That's I very just, clever. Yeah, it was really great because there were several scenes where they'd be like, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, and I was like, ah, ah, and they were like, and then they stop, and then they break it, and I was like, oh, that's like, and it, I, it's something that you wouldn't know at your first watch of the movie or as a young child. Yeah, it's like having, it's like watching any Tim Curry movie back over again. <laughs> but then, um, yeah, but then seeing like them do it like repeatedly of just going Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, and then so this thing, and I was like, <laughs> they also at one point in time, I think it's early, early in the movie, uh. Adam, played by Alec Baldwin, says it three times, but he pronounces it as Betelgeist one time, or at least one time. He pronounces it like three different ways, but... And so it doesn't count because it's not the correct incantation. Um, 
Well, my next note is that Michael Keaton is putting in an effort, and I like him very much. I wrote, um, so mine actually, I have two notes before we get to the Michael Keaton ad that he did. I wrote, everyone is a dick to a man just trying to better his mental health. True, though. Like, Charles is just up Charles there. Charles is trying to relax. He just wants the office and the nice peacefulness of the country. Don't touch my fucking office. And all this, and everyone's just, like, literally trying to fuck, and then he's, like, trying to pour some tea and have a peaceful time and they smash one of her ugly ass fucking art statues through the window and i was like this dude's just trying to have a time that shit did make me laugh because i like i saw it coming when he was next to the window and the window was just too much in frame and i was like ah something's gonna go wrong here i can tell um and then my next note before the beetlejuice ad was child is only one who can see ghosts cliche I did write that Lydia can see the ghosts, but it, I didn't feel it was really relevant to what we were talking about. Um, and then, yeah. We did a fucking Beetlejuice ad on the ghost TV upstairs, which was hilarious. It was great. I wrote, Michael Keaton is phenomenal in this movie. He did uh, so that well. That was the only time he was phenomenal for oh, me. Okay. Well. That He did the commercial. It was hard to understand him fully, but that... I, I really enjoyed it. It was great. For the first time, James, take note of this. Make a note of the day. For the first time ever... While watching a movie, I almost turned the subtitles on because I couldn't understand what Michael Keaton was saying sometimes. Well, fuck, I couldn't understand him half the time. We should have just turned them on. Maybe I would have had a better opinion of the movie. Probably not. I li- but maybe. I literally was like, there was one time he was talking, I was like... <laughs> I was like, I don't know what she said. <laughs> he's, just, he's just out there being gravelly. Um, uh, then they draw a door... And go through the door to the waiting room. Well, before that, I wrote, did Lydia hear the TV? Did she hear? It, it's, it seems like she does. I was trying to figure that out because it looked like... Um, it, it, they play it off like she has a reaction to the sound, but the only sound would have been the TV. Yeah, and like the light was shining through the keyhole, so I was like, did, would she just hear all that? Like, Apparently. Um, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say that canonically she heard it. I said, and then I wrote, the book is horrendously unhelpful. Just if you general. don't read it, if you, the, the only fucking thing that, and I, I, the first time it's excusable because you look at it and you go, I can't fucking comprehend this and you don't read it. Right. But then someone tells you, all you need to do is read the book, but it doesn't have an index. And then glossary. for the rest of the movie, no one reads the Fucking book except Otho. I was like, Otho read the book. And Otho Lydia reads read the, the book. book. And Lydia reads the book. The fucking living read the book. How come the fucking dead people whose book it is, who have been told to read the book, are can't be fucking bothered to read the fucking book on how to be dead? It's so stupid. It's the one goddamn thing you have to do. There's nothing else you have to do. It tells you everything. Your ghost lawyer tells you to read it because it will tell you everything. So why do you not? Why? There's no reason. There's no logical, justifiable reason to not read the fucking book at that point. It doesn't make any sense. It's bad writing. I then wrote. What if a dead person doesn't have convenient chalk lying around to draw a door? Why did they have convenient chalk lying around to draw a door? I just wanted to know. Why? It's all like, draw a door. And I was like, what if you're haunting a place that doesn't have walls? Or 
chalk or anything to make a door. Scratch it. Hmm. I know it sounds terrible. I I don't have any notes about the uh, waiting room. I thought that that whole sequence was pretty fun. Um, um I wrote suicide joke. Just uh, as- you could never fucking make this movie now. No. Like, if you tried to bring that script into today's Hollywood, you would get banished forever. Suicide joke made me feel uncomfortable. The amount of distasteful things that were haha funny in the 80s and are, like, extremely cringeworthy now... Was you, a lot. You never fucking make it. It was a lot. You could never make this movie. You could take the concept. You could take the characters. You could never fucking make. I want to go see now because it came out in twenty nineteen. I want to go see Beetlejuice the musical and see what they've done with the script because I'm curious. Maybe they make Lydia eighteen, so it's not fucking creepy. I don't know. Um, I also wrote. Here's my comment. I'll give it to you too, James. I said amateurs read the whole fucking handbook <laughs> and then i not remembering the joke about suicide and civil service people in the afterlife i wrote what do you have to do to fuck up badly enough to work at the equivalent of the dead people's dmv oh well you have to kill yourself apparently apparently but i wrote that joke not remembering that line later in the movie later so. in the movie they're like they treat it like it's like a uh, like a thing that everyone else like well duh if you commit suicide, you go... You become the dead service industry, folks. Like, what? what? Who knows that? What's ironic about that is most of... The, like, a large portion of people that commit suicide are, like, service industry people. So you're just... In a Once again, a little gem of writing in the midst of this shit pile of a movie. Um, And then I wrote, How can you die if you're dead? I hate that. I hate that trope. It's like, oh, this is death for the dead. They do that in Coco, too. I really, really, really hate that. Like, if you're dead, you're dead. There's no dying twice. There's no yeah, final death. Like, it, it's it seems really silly to all the, this concept that's continued through movies to today. I mean, they did like, it in the you good die, place but then too. you die again. You die for real. Like, so was the first time not count? Yeah, <coughs> like they did it in the good place too. They did it very tastefully in the good place too. Yeah, but they do do it in the good place too. Where it's just, it it's, was it's a trope, but I think this is probably the first iteration of it. It's just it's annoying to me. Like, why why we gotta have two deaths? Why can't we just die and be done with it? My Set next note is about when Lydia uh, picks the lock to the attic oh, after oh. they had already knocked the key backwards towards her, and I was like, why would you pick the lock? You have the key. Um, it didn't make any sense to me. I have a couple notes about the caseworker. One, she's like, I've been waiting here forever. Like, that's her exact line. She's like, I almost gave up. I've got other clients, you know. I was like, wouldn't she be on the same time as them? So if they've been waiting for three In months, theory. she would, she wouldn't be waiting for them. Like, like it just They didn't... started doing time travel fuckery so that they could have nice sets later. Um, and then I wrote the caseworker is a dick to Italians. Because she just throws in a racist line about Italians. I missed a racist joke? Yeah, it was it was not great, dude. We needed the fucking subtitles. She she literally said, she's like, good thing you didn't die in Italy. Like. I, I, I remember her saying that line, but I don't under, I, like, I couldn't, maybe I'm too young, but I don't know what the fuck that joke is about. 
Like, do you just skip straight to non-existence if you die in Italy? Why? Um, she what was making a joke Italy? about Italians being too loud. Because she said, it's quiet here. Good thing you didn't die in Italy. So she was making a racist joke that Italians are loud and things like that. Does she know about America? I mean, they're in America in the movie. It's set in America. What's the point? Um, what's the What's the point of the line? I don't know. That I, who wrote this? It bothered me extremely. Actually, I was just like, oh, "That's what bothered you." There are a lot of things that bother me. I will say, I love this movie, but it's a lot more problematic watching it now than it was the last time I watched it. Michael McDowell. Green Gorilla, no. Chat just said, if you die in Italy, it's pasta la vista. And I literally want to fight everyone now. I hate that more than James hates this movie. That That's rough. <laughs> what? What? This? What? Oh, he's fucking... He's Tim Burton's butt buddy. Mm-hmm. He wrote Nightmare Before Christmas, except for Nightmare Before Christmas is, oh, I don't know, tasteful? It's actually good, too. Well, it's also written good. for kids, but... Yeah, he's written a bunch of shit that's never gotten any fucking work. A bunch of shorts. Fuck um, that guy. Is your next note... Do you have any notes about the haunting? The sheets and such? Uh, I have a bunch of notes that run back to back. Uh, which is, why are you asking each other what anything else is? Uh, because the protagonists just keep axing, axing, Jesus Christ. They just keep asking each other what's happening and they keep on not knowing the answers. And so you'd think after like the first or second time they would just stop doing that because they obviously do not know what's happening. Uh, and instead they don't do that. Uh, also, why wouldn't you read the handbook? Literally the dumbest protagonists of all of the protagonists because they don't fucking read the handbook. And then they get back to the house, and I said we call the house a gaudy monstrosity. It's bad. The the nineteen eighties modern art look fucking fugly. It's fugly. It's, it's bad. bad. It's not it, even modern art. Modern art isn't that bad. It's way more minimalist. This fucking extra shit. Fuck that. Um. Also, Juno isn't helpful. That's the caseworker. Oh, is that her name? Yeah, her name is Juno, and she's not helpful. She is not helpful. She like, she's like, she has a moment of being helpful, like, I'll tell you about Beetlejuice. And then they ask her a question, and she goes, disappears. She's like, Fuck. yeah, she's like. Fucking rude, first Don't of all. get in contact with Beetlejuice. And they're like, well, how do we contact you? And she was like, Poof, Bye. gone. <laughs> Smoke bomb from her neck where she slit her own throat. Fucking wild. Uh, oh, also, Barbara sucks. We have very different opinions about Barbara. Barbara sucks. I wrote, uh... She complains endlessly, is not helpful, and switches her mind up at least 17 times in the movie. She cannot keep anything straight. I wrote, Delia is me when I sleep. Just listens to things, and then... Sits up and turns the TV off. <laughs> turns them off and goes back to sleep. And then I wrote, Winona Ryder is amazing. Lydia is not afraid of ghosts. Followed immediately by, literally Barbara and Adam are dense fucks. I simply cannot abide by stupid protagonists in movies any longer. 
I don't get why why you think they're so. They sp- they. Without yelling. They are handed a walkthrough. Mm. It really just comes down to the manual, doesn't it? They would not have problems if they would just fucking read. Even if it doesn't make sense, sit down, read it, read it again, read it a third time. Take on the problems that you're encountering. Reference back to the book that you've read. Because if you read it, you can reference back to it. If you haven't read it, and all the information that you eventually use to solve problems is in there, then gee, I don't know, maybe you should fucking read it! It, it It's so weak shit to give your story protagonists and give them the keys to the fucking city and have them stumble around the outside going, I don't know how to open any of the doors. Fuck you. Fuck your movie. Fuck your story. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. People aren't that dumb. No one's that dumb in real life. No one's that stupid. If you get handed the key to everything, you're not dumb enough. There aren't enough people that stupid. I probably wouldn't read it. Fuck! <laughs> They'd be like, did you read the manual? And I'd be like, ooh, it was a long, it was a lot of pages. I like skimmed it. There were some sections I like was interested in, but uh... they'd be like, go read it. And I'd be like, okay. And then it would be like school and I probably still wouldn't read it. You've just fully deflated me. <laughs> I just, I, I fucking... There, I, I faith in humanity emanating angrily from me that there aren't people that stupid. And next to me, my the love of my life sits there and goes, I wouldn't fucking bother. Fuck you. I'm very much that. You're not the main character. I'm very, oh, wow. Of this story. Ouch. <laughs> Beetlejuice. You're not the main character of Beetlejuice. I, um, I very much so would, am the person that will, like, beat my head into a wall and then be like fine fucking give me the instructions like <laughs> what if the wall is the instructions though because they do say that it's like very complicated to read and doesn't make any sense that's my issue i'd be like i i've stopped reading the da vinci code so many times because i get about three chapters in and i love the da vinci code i love the theory behind it and i love all the ideas oh and i know so much about the story but every time i try to read the fucking book i literally sit there and i read the, i get to like like I said, it's about three or four chapters in, and I get to the same sentence, and I've read the same sentence ten times, and I'm like, I'm not getting anywhere. I quit. <laughs> like, Maybe I'm wrong, then. Maybe I have too much faith in people to be smart enough to know to read the manual upon being handed the manual. Maybe I just read manuals. I don't know. But it strikes me as being one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Are you the type of person that reads the instructions before you build something? Yes. You don't just try to build it, and then if you mess up, you read the instructions? No. Oh, I do that. Because if I build it and mess up, I waste more time having to unbuild it and then rebuild it. Everyone bitches about Ikea furniture being complicated to put together. Those are the people who don't read the fucking manual. Shit, there's a lot of people who do that. And James is realizing the stupidity of human. It's a commentary, James. It's a commentary. Everyone's stupider than me. Wow, and we've come full ego circle. I read the manual. This is bullshit.
You okay? I hate everything. You okay? I'm fucking mad. Let the movie smarter than you give it credit for because it's putting a social commentary out there? Is it or are they actually just stupid? That's why the joke's in there so many times about it reading, like, stereo instructions, because... I need to find a stereo instruction. A stereo instruction. I need to find an instruction manual for a stereo. And I'm going to read it. And I'm going to see if it's complicated. Anyways, <sighs> I wrote Delia is a bitch. I wrote that the movie took so long to Michael Keaton. I wrote... Beetlejuice and all his powers forces them to dig them forces them to dig him out. Yeah. Like, After we see him reach his arms up and eat a fly. Like I was like, what's the point? What's the point of that? Well, he's an asshole. So it's, I mean, that's just playing with his character. I just I was just it's stupid. I, I didn't Be like that part. Beetlejuice is the horniest bastard I've ever seen. I wrote Michael Keaton is amazing. Oh, and then I wrote Beetlejuice as a perv and a sexual assaulter. I mean, I can't really expect more from a demon, but... I mean, he's not a good guy. No. He's very obviously the anti-hero of the whole movie. But it just feels like you could have... If, like, alright, now let's say we give them credit for saying that all of humanity is too stupid to read the manual. You could at least get away with not doing that many sex jokes. Or maybe give Michael Keaton lines to read instead of letting him improv all his material. Um. It's funny after all of James's conversations, because my next note. <laughs> What's the next note? What's the next note? Tim Burton really struck gold with this one. Struck gold? It's a good movie. It's funny. It's... Funny for who? I laughed a lot. All the jokes are tasteless. The jokes don't make you think. The jokes make you go, boobs. The best joke in the whole movie is a scene that comes, like, very soon. And it's the most expensive music video ever made. Um, okay, then I have a couple notes. I just I just wrote every character in this movie. Is I'll the wrap worst. up. I'll wrap up this uh this episode because we're about halfway through. I told All you right. this was going to be a short. I guess you're right. I I didn't rant and rave enough. Um, my biggest note to end off this episode is: Can you just say yeah, no, never mind to Beetlejuice after you've summoned him? Because they go through the whole process of know. saying his name three times, and they're just like, actually, never mind, and they just leave. And, like, he's still not put away because, like, he's able to do the snake thing, but he acts like it's a big deal that they just were like, yeah, never mind. Not to mention, he talks a lot early about, like, making a deal, and no one makes a deal with him. Lydia does. Until Lydia does at the end of the movie. But he's still like, what are the rules here? How is he able to interact with the big world outside the model except for when it's convenient to the plot? Well, the con... You, the, because he can't... He doesn't come out of the model... Until they say... Until Lydia makes the deal with him. No, he does when he's the snake. But, well, that's what I'm saying. 
the only time he comes out of the model is when he's a snake, and then he doesn't do it again until Lydia makes the deal with him. Why? I think their original... Okay, so when you say his name three times, I think that's you entering into a contract with him. But then no one ever made any terms or signed it. Yeah, and then to end the contract, you repeat the spell, essentially, which is to say his name three times. So they left the contract open Mm -hmm. when they exited the model without him. And then they ended the contract when Barbara said his name three times again in the hallway when he was the snake and returned him back. But they don't explain any of that. Like, they don't explain that if you say his name three times again, then he goes back to where he came from. Like, that doesn't... When did the brothel pop up? Uh, right after that. This movie's rated PG. And they say fuck in it. It's one of the few PG movies that says fuck. The 1980s were a wild time. It was a crazy time. It would appear that everyone was on cocaine. All the time. Yeah, the brothel pops up right after. It it was like when I watched uh, 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 Rocky Horror Picture Show, except for that is a good movie. And like I just couldn't fathom what I was witnessing. Uh, I feel like I had a lot of the same facial expressions the whole time, where I was just like... Except you like Rocky Horror. Yeah, except because that's a good movie. And the sex jokes in that movie are a lot less assaulty and a lot more tasteful. Which is strange. Which is really wild considering Tim Curry's cross-dressing the entire time. And literally makes a sex doll. He does. He builds one. And makes a whole person into a sex doll. That's a whole other movie for And then there's time. a back-to-back scene. Well, yeah, it's a different movie. <laughs> we are getting off we topic. We should put that on the fucking list. Yeah, I will put Rocky Horror on after I'll, Christmas. I'll fucking rewatch that. Sometimes if you watch it again... <laughs> you see new shit. It's, it, it turns different every time. I've watched it several times now, I'm, and every I'm time sure, I get a different experience. I'm sure if I watch this movie again, I might laugh at a couple more jokes, but I will also probably go, man, you really didn't need to fucking upskirt that many times. Yeah, it was the lifting of the skirt for me that really was like... Cause, but that was a thing people did back then. Like, the girls used to be drinking at water fountains and boys would come over and throw the skirts over their head. Like, that was like a thing. And rape culture is so real. And it's because of a lot of these jokes and movies and things like this earlier on in time making it okay. So I, I really have a lot of problems with this movie now in the culture we live in and the way rape culture has developed because this is where it started is you know if i was a teenager in the 80s i probably would have laughed these little asides these little things that make it seem like it's okay or funny and it's not i would like to see someone tackle the movie again in a modern context because like i said i think the concept's great it's so smart and so interesting, but also you could do it now with two and a half hours instead of 90 minutes. It was very short. It was a very I don't short remember movie. it being that short. I Like, even, like, it being so old, I think they probably could have done another 30 minutes of just, like, expanding on the world building and, like, what are the rules and, like, more funny mishaps, slapstick humor and shit. The shit that made Airplane funny, like clever simple jokes instead of the jokes they went with it i don't know man it just feels there's so many movies from that same era that were way better that didn't resort to that style of joke i guess and i'll watch airplane all day long 
And it's simply not as offensive as this movie is. I'd rather watch Family Guy. Family Guy is almost as bad as this movie is. <laughs> and on that note... Oh my god. I still like the movie, don't get me wrong. But I do have some problems with, like I said, the start of rape culture and just kind of seeing how it's evolved from like things like this and just going... My my entire opinion of the movie is based on that. Because it's the most prevalent thing that happens. Is the characters are all stupid and it's all very rapey. The whole thing. Not to mention how pedophilic it gets in the second half. Which we will come back with. In two weeks. In two weeks, maybe, <laughs> for those of you listening. Who fucking knows? We tried our best, guys. Um, Jesus. Yeah. We'll see you for part two.